You are now listening to Creative Masters. This is the podcast where we interview musicians, photographers, directors, comedians, designers, and other creatives to discuss how they got started, how they got past those bumps in the road, and how they built a career off their creativity. So let's get right into it. I'm your host, and I'm Team Double Machine Masters to bring you Creative Masters. Now let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Reggie, aka Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters podcast. Took a couple weeks off, have a lot of stuff going on right now, holidays coming up, and things like that. But I'm very excited to be back with a new episode, episode 21, featuring Carrie Williams. She is a boxer as well as an entrepreneur who has built a very dope brand, Never Too Pretty, out in California and pretty much around the world. She's won tournaments, she's traveled around the country teaching kids about nutrition and obesity giving them workout plans, things like that. So it's a very dope episode, and I hope you guys get a lot out of this episode. So in this episode, we talk about how she got into boxing and started her business. So it just, it just a light bulb went off, and I thought, well, I want to open a gym that you can come in, you can not be a fighter, but really learn, you know, boxing properly. Mm-hmm. And if you want to fight, that's great too. Then, of course, we talk about creativity, building an online platform and business, and having your community be involved in that online platform. What's important about building a social media platform uh, is obviously you need to be creative because we need to put out creative content, Mm -hmm. but you also need to build a community around that content and involve your community in the content. So uh, that's been really key in growing our social media platforms as far as for Too Pretty. Then we get into visualization and being positive in everything you do. You know, our brains are so powerful and they can be powerful in a bad way or a good way, but it's all in how you control it. get into this and so much more in episode 21 of the creative masters podcast featuring boxer and entrepreneur carrie williams so sit back relax and be inspired going on everybody this is reggie aka nobody famous you're listening to the creative masters podcast this week we got a very cool guest she actually reached out to me last week um she's a boxer she's a boxing trainer an entrepreneur she has a lot of cool stuff going on carrie williams how you doing i'm awesome thanks for so much for having me on reggie yeah definitely definitely i'm i'm um, interested in talking to you and everything because i'm actually like a fan of boxing and uh took boxing classes and trained and stuff myself so it's a lot of fun so uh we'll get into (laughs) all of that so um why you give us just like a 60 second, you know, elevator speech of who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll dig into it from there. Right on. Uh, well, I am a former competitive fighter, uh, boxer, and I'm currently a, an Olympic certified boxing coach. I have been for about the past 10 years. I grew a chain of boxing clubs in Northern California and franchised those clubs. And uh, I now live in Santa Monica. I sold most of my clubs. I have one club called The Stables in Santa Monica, California. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started the Too Pretty brand, Never Too Pretty. And that is really just a movement and a brand that inspires and motivates uh, young girls and women to basically go out there and get it no matter what. So um, you're never too pretty to do anything. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, um, this podcast is like for creatives. And I feel that um, boxing as a sport takes a lot of creativity as well as what you're doing on entrepreneur side as well. So um, let's kind of start back at the beginning, though. When did you get into boxing and what what got you into it? 
Ah, uh, well, I grew up in a pretty tough neighborhood. I was raised by my father. And uh, he always just kind of treated me as his kid rather than treated me like his little girl. So I was, uh, you know, I was brought up rough and tough and you know, picked on a lot as a youngster. Mm-hmm. So uh, that made me, it made me, I guess, resilient mm-hmm. and a little bit scrappy. But I hadn't really come across the sport of boxing yet. I actually met a, a guy in high school that was... Uh, competing professionally in, in boxing. And uh, then after I graduated from college, I actually have an environmental science degree. So that's okay. a little different than what I do now. It uh, always seems I, to work out that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it always does. You get a degree and you don't use it. Yep. Uh, but I graduated and I, I didn't want to work for the government and um, Greenpeace wasn't really in my sights. So I just figured I wanted to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. And what I did was I listened to what this guy was talking about as far as going to a boxing gym, doing all of the boxing, and then going to another gym and doing all of the conditioning. So mm-hmm. there really wasn't a boxing gym where you could go and just do everything all together. Mm-hmm. On top of that, he would say that there would be people coming into the, the gym. They wanted to learn how to box, but they didn't want to be fighters. Mm-hmm. And that the coaches right away say, you know what, I don't have time for you. Uh, so back then, you know, you didn't really have a gym, a boxing gym per se, where you could actually come and learn real boxing, but not necessarily be a fighter. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just a light bulb went off and I thought, well, I want to open a gym that you can come in, you can not be a fighter, but really learn, you know, boxing properly. Mm-hmm. And if you want to fight, that's great too. Uh, and then you have all the equipment that you can do for your conditioning and whatnot. And so I wrote a business plan. I got a bunch of books, wrote a business plan and I, Went to the bank and I got a business loan, an SBA loan. <laughs> nice, nice. So you hadn't boxed up until then. You, no. just, you just saw the opportunity and, and stepped <laughs> yeah. into it. Exactly. I had not boxed at all, not yet. And so it was really backwards the way it happened to me. Uh, so once opening the gym, I hired this guy as my head trainer uh, for programming and whatnot. And I basically ran the business. Mm-hmm. Well, then we started to get busy. I was pretty good at what I did. And so, you know, first year, we were so busy. He said, you know what? I really need more help. Um, you know, I would like you to come and help me on the floor. So he taught me how to be a trainer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there were kids actually coming in that were competing as well. So uh, there was a boxing team created, you know. So here I am training kids that, you know, I have never even stepped in the boxing ring yet. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at one point, I... I thought to myself, that's pretty hypocritical. You know, I, I'm in here telling these kids what to do mm-hmm. and how they're supposed to be feeling, and I have no idea. And uh, I, I said, you know what? I want to fight. So there you have it. Then I started competing. <laughs> got you, got you. Um, yeah. So tell us about the um, your, your competition day. So when you started competing, like, what are some of the things you did? Like I read that you read the, uh, or you won the Pacific uh, Northwest Women's Tournament. What are some of the other things you did leading up to that to get ready for that? Well, you know, uh, that long ago, there weren't as many women boxing. Like now, it's it's definitely gotten more popular. There are a lot more women, a lot more girls coming up in boxing, which is amazing. Uh, but I would have to travel pretty far to actually get a match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, women or girls would have to box in tournaments where when you're in a tournament, you can box in an open tournament, which means that you could box somebody who already has 20 20 fights right Mm -hmm. and you're here with two or whatever so uh, but you don't really have a choice because there's just not a lot of there's not a lot of girls boxing so you know it just would go to to tournaments because 
that was the only way I could get a match. Um, but I mean, the, the one thing that I miss about the sport being in the ring is the strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's so much strategy involved in boxing and the sport of boxing that a lot of people aren't um, aware of. You know, they watch a boxing match or maybe they don't even watch boxing because they just say, oh, I don't want to watch two people in there hitting each other because they don't really understand the sport. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I, I miss being strategic. Uh, you know, it's like playing chess in there. I know, you know, people have said that before, but it's really true. Mm-hmm. And how do you think that um, once you stepped in the ring and, you know, you had to put those strategic skills to use and everything like that, how do you think that helped you on the business side of things in your career? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, You know what? You know, boxing helped me read people a lot better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you're in the boxing ring, you're you're trying to read facial expressions. You're reading uh, mannerisms. You're reading, you know, uh, somebody's entire body, but also what's in their eyes and what kind of face they're making. So you're reading a lot. You're reading them also before you step in the ring. You know, you're reading them at the weigh-in, trying to, you know, get a gauge on them. Are they just acting cocky or do they have a reason to be cocky? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're putting their head down. Does that mean that they're just messing with my head or does that mean that they're really not confident? So a lot of uh, what I learned through boxing was really learning how to read people. And that mm-hmm. has helped tremendously as an entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I learned, too, when, for my uh, trainer, my first trainer when I started, actually, was just he would always say, like, uh, stay in there, Reggie, stay in there. So it's just like I would be, like, sparring against, like, people who were, like, pros or, like, not, you know, had a lot more um, experience than I did. And I'm just kind of getting started. And, of course, they weren't, like, welling on me. But, you know, yeah. you're trying to get all, you know conditioned and you're trying to learn the sport you're trying to like land some shots but you try not to get hit and things like that and it really kind of uh i think builds like mental fortitude as well yes um you know and i applied that as well to my career just like when i'm tired or something and i'm doing some work and it's like well i can sit here on the couch or i can stay in there and keep going so i always kind of keep that in the back of my head as well um, yeah that's a perfect example uh actually i think that's really true too is that all the hard training that you do as a boxer it's i mean espn did a study and they came out with the, you know the results saying that boxing is absolutely the hardest sport out there and they mm-hmm. they did you know they surveyed it on everything from strength to mental capacity to you know agility to whatever um so it is a tough sport mm-hmm. and if you can box if you can get in there and compete in boxing i mean the training alone is crazy, but if you can get in there in the boxing ring where you're, you can't get out mm-hmm. and you're facing someone right in their face and you know that punch is coming and it's going to hit you, yep. you need to figure out how you're going to maneuver to not get hit. You can't just turn around and run out. Um, you know, that whole fight or flight thing, um, mm-hmm. it definitely it gives you that for business. You know, it's like, okay, it's going to take some time to get this, but uh, I'm not going to shy away from it. I'm just going to keep plugging forward. I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to figure it out. So yeah, I truly think that's um, a big part of it too. Yeah, for sure, certainly. Um, so let's talk about when you won the, um, the tournament. How many fights did you have um, leading up to that tournament before you won that one? I only had two fights leading up to that tournament. Oh, nice. um, <laughs> yeah, but like I said, you know, that was the thing is that you, you know, you would just have to go to tournaments because you couldn't find matches, and that was in Oregon. So you know, that's driving from California to to Oregon just. For a match mm-hmm. um so yeah it's um i don't know i like i said i i miss i really miss the strategy of it but i obviously don't miss like having to <laughs> having to train that hard mm-hmm. 
and make weight and you know the waiting game that happens and then you've got to travel and the whole time you're traveling you're thinking about your fight mm -hmm. and then before you step in the ring you know it's there's so much that goes through your through your head and um yeah it's a little stressful for sure yeah definitely so let me ask you then um you you seem to have also combined you know boxing with your business and then also some stuff for the youth as well so what kind of led you to start i think it was the primetime boxing club as well as the knockout uh, obesity knocking out obesity tour uh, well, in working with so many youngsters uh, through boxing, you get a real feel and a real sense of uh, what they need. Mm -hmm. You know, boxing teaches so many life lessons. And I, I know every sport can really say that, and I get that. Um, it's just that a lot of the kids who get involved in boxing come from really humble, humble beginnings. Very, mm -hmm. very, um, you know, usually pretty poor backgrounds. Uh, you know, lots of kids would come in off the street, they would be gang banging, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, that's just, you get a sense for like how many kids really need you. You know, they, maybe they have their parents, maybe they don't have parents, um, but they find something through boxing. But it's also also through the coaching, you know, you've got to be a great coach to these kids because you become a second parent to them. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought there was a real need to uh, to spread boxing to more kids. Uh, you know, I was only in California, so I, I thought of this uh, tourist. I thought, well, obesity is obviously an epidemic uh, in our nation. And I thought, well, how about take the uh, men's fitness runs. A, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they used to have a list every year of the like 25 top fattest cities in the nation. Mm hmm. So I took that list and I picked 10 of those cities and I reached out to every middle school in those cities to see who would allow me to come there mm -hmm. and work with the kids. Um, and I, it took me a whole year to get that together and I got sponsors. Um, so I was able to basically go to 10 different cities across the nation. I drove across the country and back. Every city I went to, I, I hit one middle school and I was basically their PE class for the uh for the day okay so i would you know i had if there was a big group i would fly in one of my trainers from uh, california to help me and basically it would be you know I, I made up these great brochures with like nutritional information real simple stuff mm -hmm. i got subway as a sponsor so it was like subway for lunch that day uh, and then just taught them some real basic boxing fundamentals, did some conditioning drills with them uh that sort of thing and then we sat down and had a powwow about nutrition uh, it was great. I mean, I, I reached, you know, 7,000 plus students in mm -hmm. that 25 days. And nice. um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, but it takes sponsors, you know, and it was it, it was quite a project. And the next year, I, I really, really tried to get sponsors and I just I couldn't pull it through. Mm -hmm. So uh, but, I you know, I was able to do it once and reach those kids. So, um, you know, that's it was a great experience. And hopefully for those kids, it's something that we're, they'll remember forever. Mm -hmm. You said a few things that I want to kind of unpack there because you even said it earlier when you um, started opening your, your gyms and having a plan for that. And then you said you also had a plan for um, the tour that you wanted to do. And it took you a year to put everything together and get sponsors and things like that. So will you kind of for people who are listening who might be like younger who are looking to start a business or do something create you know creatively or something like that, will you kind of touch on how important it is to form a plan before you get started and then executing yeah. that plan. Yeah, execution's key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, we all make plans. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I feel like that is just the toughest part for most people. Everybody has a great idea. Everybody has a million dollar idea. And, um, what's not as fun is like the execution. A lot of times it's, um, you know, I've got this plan. Maybe you've written down the plan and that you've got it all there, but it's like, really, you just, it's almost like jumping into cold water, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're standing there and you're like, you put your toe in and then you're, Oh, it's just too cold. No, 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 no. It's not that way. You don't even put your toe in. Sometimes you just have to jump into the cold water and then it's fine afterwards. So uh, sometimes you have to have that mentality. If you overthink it and overplan it, sometimes you never get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's how I, that's how I am personally on as business and, and as far as being creative, uh, I'm just kind of, you know, one of those, one of those people who, you know, shoots and then aims. So (laughs) yeah, for sure. Um, and now let's also touch on the, uh, the too pretty brand. Um, we tell us about the brand, why you created that and kind of the movement that you have going on with that right now. Absolutely. Uh, it is my passion. It's my purpose in life right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of has their purpose and sometimes it takes longer for uh, each person to figure it out. And I, you know, finally figured it out about three years ago. So uh, going, th- you know, as far as all of my boxing experience and, and working with so many kids and, and adults, of course, I found that I changed a lot of lives. I mean, I still get I'll get Facebook messages from kids that I trained. They were 14 and now they're almost 30, Mm -hmm. you know, and they'll message and say, oh, you know, it was such a great uh, experience you gave me. Um, You know, it was life changing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's all these really, really great messages that I get. And a lot of girls, um, you know, and these are girls that didn't have a role model in their life that told them that they could do anything they wanted to do. Uh, So I just felt this need to touch more girls and women than I could physically. You know, I can only touch so many training them. But I thought, what could I do to really reach more and empower them? And as a fighter, I was told, oh, you're too pretty to be a fighter. You're a girl. You're too feminine. You, Mm -hmm. you know, basically, you know, that was always the thing. That was said, and then I got in the ring, and they said, oh, you fight like a boy. Uh, (laughs) But but it just really struck me, and I thought, you know, how many girls out there are told this? And it doesn't have to be boxing. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be – they could be an attorney. They could be a doctor. Uh, They could be a a neuroscientist, whatever, you know, and and – but there's – or in the military, but they're looked at a certain way. And it's almost like you're not capable of doing that because you look like a woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I said, you know what? I'm never too pretty. Never too pretty to do anything. And uh, I said, that's it. That's what it is. And that's how I brainstormed and I, I created the brand and the movement. Mm-hmm. And for the um, for everybody who's listening, who has who's going to go to the website, because of course I'm going to have your uh, your website and everything linked up. We kind of tell what you're doing, like on Instagram and um, everything mm-hmm. like that with the movement. Absolutely. Uh, so what uh, girls and women are doing is they'll grab a piece of cardboard and they'll just write on that cardboard what they're never too pretty to do or be. And then they'll take a picture of them holding it up and they'll turn the image to black and white. And then in their post on Instagram, they'll basically explain why they wrote that. And, you know, some of them are paragraphs on Instagram and super touching and mm-hmm. empowering and powerful. Uh, so that's really what the movement is and it just continues on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy to read some of these, uh, and you go, wow, that's, 
we're all out there. We're all mm-hmm. out there, you know, kind of on the, we're all striving and we're all struggling with this kind of the same things. So it's really powerful and uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, it's, it's a really great thing. And I think it, it's really cool when, um, you know, people do open up and you see that people are going through the same type of things or have gone through the same type of things that you are. So, you know, it is inspiring and it is kind of like motivational as well. It helps everybody, like especially when you build a community around it and support and things like that. I think it's a really cool thing that you're doing. Um, Thank you. For sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about creativity within business. Like what are some of the things that you do to stay fresh with your ideas and engage your um, followers with your with your Never Too Pretty brand? Well, I think you, you really said it was community. Uh, I think the really important um, – what's important about building a social media platform uh, is obviously you need to be creative because we need to put out creative content, Mm -hmm. but you also need to build a community around that content and involve your community in the content. So uh, that's been really key in growing our social media platforms as far as for too pretty. Uh, And then, you know, being creative, it's, you know, I could go outside and walk around and look up at the sky and look at the trees and look at bushes. And sometimes like it'll it'll hit me. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll be uh, looking through magazines and then I'll like business magazines, for instance. And and they'll be like maybe a company that's not doing anything like I'm doing, but they're doing something with their marketing or Mm -hmm. with their design. And I'm like, wow, that's rad. Like that's. You know, so and I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs do that, Um, you know, and it's not necessarily taking what their idea is, but it just sparks something creative in you to go, oh, yeah, I could do it this way. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's always helpful too, as far as like sparking some creativity and also talking to like-minded people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can, if you can surround yourself with other entrepreneurs, you know, no matter what it is, uh, no matter what kind of business they're doing, um, a lot of times that helps to spark your creativity as well. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. I mean, I, I feel that creativity and inspiration is pretty much everywhere. You just got to kind of train yourself to look for it and be open to, to letting it, you know, make mm-hmm. itself known to you. Um, yes. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you've um, faced as an entrepreneur? I know you said like you went to do the tour again and you had trouble, you know, getting sponsors the second year. Like what are some other things that you had um, trouble doing or some challenges you had to get around and how did you get around them? Oh, uh, people taking me seriously, I suppose. Um, naysayers. I think we all have them. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you have an idea of what you're going to do and, and then, you know, you want to talk about it because you're excited about it. And then you get kind of the, Oh yeah, that's, that's great. Uh huh. (laughs) And you you can tell immediately when someone doesn't really wholeheartedly believe in you. Um, and unfortunately I've had that more so than I've had people. I mean, more lately I've had more positive with too pretty, like really so much positive feedback, but um, before in the male dominated sport I was in, it was, it was a little tougher, um, mm-hmm. because of the industry. I mean, we all know boxing is a male dominated sport. There's no getting around it. So for me to try to do something with it, it was, uh, it was constantly challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, it was breaking barriers like every day. Uh, but you know, you just, you just keep on, keep on going and keep trucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I can totally relate too because um, actually I had like a program for like four and a half years and I'm like have a musical background. So I was teaching kids music production and songwriting and I was like tying it into um, like education standards and all that kind of stuff. And 
like luckily I had like a wonderful lady. She was like an assistant superintendent in the school district who like gave me my first contract, but it was kind of like always hard to like convince other school districts and other people to, to kind of get on board with it and allow me to come into like the after school programs and work with it. Cause like, Oh, you guys are teaching like hip hop and blah, blah, blah. So (laughs) it was always like kind of hard to, to do it. And then it's like, once we were in like, you know, eight or 10 schools and working with a lot of kids, then it was like, Oh, like it was, they're a little bit more accepting, accepting of it. But I totally understand. It's just like when you're kind of starting something out and you're trying to push it forward, like unless you really, it's kind of like a building, you got to build on top of each other. Like every little thing you do is like a building block. And then mm-hmm. once you get that foundation down and once you start to, you know, go up a few levels, then people are like, okay, like I get it. And then they're a little bit more open. So I totally understand yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's what it is. I think if, you know, you can get a, a good break, uh, somebody believes in you and they have maybe a connection with somebody else. Um, it always seems like that's, you know, when I hear success stories, that's kind of the path that happens. There's just usually one person that really goes, you know what, that's awesome. And I know so-and-so and so-and-so, and and then it just kind of uh, flows from there. But yeah, you got to build your credibility, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Um, So let's talk about um, what would you say to somebody out there who is wanting to do something and kind of like waiting for permission to do it? Like, what's your advice? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I always say, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm yeah, you definitely can't ask for permission from anybody or anything. It's uh, if you have some passion for something, you you have to put it out there. You have to take that risk. Um, you know, risk is a I, yeah. We throw that word around a lot, uh, but it's just true. It's a risk. I mean, no matter which way you look at it, even working for somebody is a risk because who knows if that company is going to be in business anymore. Everything is a risk, but. If you feel like that risk uh, better suits your your life and your lifestyle and your quality of life, then that's what you do. So you definitely don't get permission from anyone. As far as, you know, touching on creativity, (laughs) getting permission from somebody uh, is it kind of diminishes your creativity. You know, the the creatives are creating uh, what's new, fresh and first. And so. If you ask for permission to do that, then really what's the point? Because people wouldn't even know what the hell you're talking about Mm because you're creating it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you just got to go out there. You feel something and you just go for it. Uh, You know, it's it's hard to really explain it, but if you feel it, just do it. Yeah, for sure. I like that new fresh and uh, first as well. I'm going to have to write that down and (laughs) commit that to memory. But. (laughs) <laughs> Can you give us an example of a time where um, you took a risk and maybe you were unsure about it, but then you, you did it anyway because you felt like in your gut that it was going to work out and it did? I mean, right now with Too Pretty, you mm-hmm. know, that's a big risk because I, you know, I've always made, not always, but I mean, for the past 18 years have made a living off of boxing and mm-hmm. training and clubs and whatever. So stepping into this completely new world of branding and of uh, product is a 180 degree change. Of course, it's still a business, but it's a completely different type of business. So that's a big risk for me to step out and go, you know what, this is what I need to be doing. And this is what's going to make a change. And so I'm going to take that risk and I'm just going to go for it. Um, So, you know, you, you take that risk to do something, it takes away time from other things that you're doing, right? If you want to make something work. 
So um, the next big risk is to to do it 100%, right? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I kind of look at it like you might as well not even, if you're not going to do it 100%, you might as well not even do it because you're really just wasting time. Um, yeah. You, you really have to go all out for what you're trying to do. And it's not always going to be easy. And there's going to be like, I always kind of look at it like when you first start, you're always like really energetic about it. You're ready to go. But then like once you really dig in and that work really starts, it's just like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like the hardest part where you have to keep going. So you really have to be committed and passionate about it if you're going to do something because it, take, uh -huh. it takes a lot of that work. Um, it, totally. A lot of work and a lot of um, not seeing the immediate results. You know, you're mm -hmm. you're going and going and going and you're not seeing like, Oh, well, I wanted to, I should be at this many cells right now. You know, I should have this many followers on social media. I should have, you know, famous people wearing my stuff. You know, you think about all these things and a year goes by and you're like, ah, oh, shit, I'm not like where I need to be. Is mm -hmm. this just, you know, should I keep going? We all think that, you know, I don't think anybody is any different. It's just that you have to push that aside mm -hmm. and you have to know that it's going to take time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I guess I would say that boxing did teach me that as well, is that it took me a long time to learn boxing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a monotonous thing. There's a lot of monotony involved in uh, in business. You know, you can be creative, but there's a whole other side of uh, business that you have to kind of, you got to dig in your heels and, and yep. do the work. Certainly, certainly. And uh, let me ask you about something I know just by looking and reading up on you and looking at your social media stuff that you're, definitely into this but what is your definition of like hustling like you're doing a <laughs> bunch of different things and everything so how would you define hustling hustling is as soon as your eyes are open you're on it mm -hmm. and right before you close your eyes you're on it uh that's a hustle it's just it's as 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 much as you're awake you're striving and pushing to what your goals are Mm -hmm. Um, you know, to me, that's hustle. Um, hustle is just putting yourself out there, um, not waiting, you know, you can't wait for, for things to happen. You really, really have to create things. You mm -hmm. have to, you have to make it happen. So, um, and you know, one of my last quotes I put on my Instagram was, you know, basically that, uh, creativity comes from scarcity mm -hmm. and, I, I believe that because I'm there, you know, I've, I've been there before I'm there right now. And when you don't have a whole hell of a lot, you learn how to be creative. Nope. <laughs> so. I, can, I can relate 100%. So I definitely, <laughs> I definitely know what you mean. And, and on the opposite end of hustling, like how do you find balance so that you don't get, you know, burned out or, and things like that? Yeah, I, I think my, uh, my boyfriend helps me honestly to, to balance me a little bit. Uh, we got a dog together last year and nice. you know, it's, it's not something I would have done, uh, mm -hmm. because it's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I absolutely adore her. You know, it's like, you know, now I, I would don't want to live without her, mm -hmm. but you know, at the moment it was like, Oh gosh, we're just too busy. We've got too much going on. Um, so it's like, he, he kind of brought me down a little bit to ground me in that. Like we need to take these moments, mm -hmm. uh, because we are living and this is life. For sure. Uh, so he definitely helps me with that to chill out sometimes and like just stop for a moment and go, okay, put that away for right now for one hour. We're just going to like, we're, or two hours, we're going to go to the movies or mm -hmm. so uh, I'd say he helps me with it. <laughs> 
Awesome. That's that's great. Um, it's always good to have somebody to like, you know, kind of like for checks and balances. So that way you don't just always work, work, work and get burned out and, you know, neglect things that are also important in life. So that, that's really good. Um, yeah. So also I'm like really big on like a growth mindset. So I'm always like reading books and listening to podcasts and having conversations like these and stuff like that. So what are some of the things that you do to grow as a person, um, you know, personally, as well as like in your business? You know, I, I kind of do the same thing as uh, I'll listen to podcasts and I love reading business magazines mm -hmm. and also books that are based off of a lot of rags to riches stories. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of times that, that definitely helps me. Uh, what are some of your favorite like podcasts and magazines and books? Oh gosh. Uh, let's see. Not to put you on the spot or anything. I know, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, I pretty much subscribe to most every business magazine that there is out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's almost like my leisure time uh, when I read them, mm -hmm. which is kind of weird, right? Uh, it's it's kind of my downtime. I'm like, oh, I have like 30 minutes of like just to chill. So, mm -hmm. oh, I get to read my magazines. <laughs> magazines are fun, especially like the physical magazines. Like they're always fun to just get and like flip through. Like I don't do like GQ and men's health and stuff. And I always get excited to just sit down with one for like an hour. It's true. And I, I truly believe like you, you need to have it in your hand. Mm -hmm. You know, this, I, it's everything is so it's on our computer. It's on, you know, the nook, it's whatever it's. So I really like the fact that I can hold something and read it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe I can have tea before I go to bed and, and read some of my, my business magazine. So um, so yeah, you know, you're, I've got like, you know, ink and fast company. I actually was in ink. Uh, this was when I was franchising the boxing clubs Nice. and I, um, actually have a photo shoot this Friday for success magazine. Oh, awesome. Congratulations so yeah. On that. yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, um, it'll just be a one page little thing, but, um, but yeah, uh, I'm excited about that. So it's just that, you know, it, and you look at, it's almost like you look at, um, entrepreneurs in magazines that you know are doing really really well or in a book and you go okay that's going to be me you really train your mind to be really positive about it and you see it and you you really have to visualize it and that takes me back to boxing again is that when you're boxing you have to visualize you winning you have to visualize you getting your hand raised at the end of the fight and all of those visuals uh really help you succeed and you know on your path to success mm -hmm. and i think it is very important to always kind of put that those positive stories and images in your mind like it even kind of goes back to what you said about um being around like-minded people and things like that even if you don't have a lot of like-minded people around you you can still read these books and get these people's stories and read the magazine to listen to their podcasts and things like that. And it's almost like they're mentoring you and you're learning from them. Um, at least for me, I know that I've done that a lot and I've seen other people have said they've done that as well. Um, and it does help. Like it can really, once you like really get those images in your head and you put it to practice, like it really can change your life. Yeah. Imagery is, is key. You know, there, our brains are so powerful mm -hmm. and they can be powerful in a bad way or a good way, but it's all in how you control it. So, um, yeah, you just, it's constantly, uh, putting all those positive, uh, neurons through there. So all positive. Yep. For sure. Um, so last question, this is a question that I always ask everybody. And of course there's no right or wrong answer and it's always different, but, um, 
you know, it seems like in the past there was always like a certain definition of success, like a lot of money, big house, big cars, all that kind of crap. But now, like more in recent times, it seems like it's kind of been shifting and people have been redefining it for themselves. So how do you define success for you? Oh, wow. Huh. I would say I, it would be two different things. One would be that Too Pretty is at the end of the day able to sponsor uh, young girls and women to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. So whether it's play a sport and they don't have the money to be on the team or for uniform or for travel, or it's a woman who wants to, you know, or even a teenager, who knows, that wants to start a business and they have this amazing idea, but they just need $5,000 to start that business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, succeeding for me would be to be able to do that for these young ladies, to be able to to offer that and give them that one thing that helps them. Like we were talking about, you know, when you're, you're really working towards something and that one person gives you like a little break. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be able to be that person for them. Um, that would be like a number one, um, what I would feel like success would be for me. Um, and number two is to, to live. I don't need to be wealthy, but to live without the stresses of, uh, finances as Mm -hmm. much. Right. And I think probably most people feel that way. Um, but you know, being uh, just comfortable in financially, I guess. So yeah, I don't need a whole lot of fancy things, but just yeah, don't awesome. have to think about it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And then it's going to allow you to do what you said for the first half of that. You know, to be able to help people and, and do what you need to do, and you know, build build a too pretty brand and help people uh, get started with the, what they want to do. So that's yes, really cool. precisely. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Will you let everybody know where they can find you at on social media and everything? Absolutely, yes. Uh, oh, and, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, post all this up on my social media, which is uh, Instagram. Uh, well, I have my own and I have the Too Pretty. So uh, Too Pretty Brand is the handle for pretty much all of the social media. So mm-hmm. your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And, uh, and then mine is Carrie Lee Williams. So it's, uh, I try to use Carrie Williams, but evidently he's a really popular football player. (laughs) 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 Carrie Lee Williams and it's Carrie spelled the male spelling. Uh, but yeah, that's, those are my two handles for pretty much all the social media. Okay. Awesome. And of course I'll, um, have all of the links and everything, um, on the website as well. So people who listen can click on the links. Um, so yeah. Like I said, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and letting us know about your brand and everything that you're up to. I think it's really great and, um, you know, much success in everything that you do in the future. Thank you so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted. All right. Sounds good. Everybody, this is Nobody Famous. You're listening to the Creative Masters Podcast. Until next week. Peace. So there you have it. That was episode 21 of the Creative Masters podcast featuring boxer and entrepreneur Carrie Williams. I had a blast talking to her. So you guys be sure to check her out and follow her on social media because she's totally crushing it with what she's doing. I'm Nobody Famous. I can be found at Nobody Famous on Instagram and Twitter. And be sure to follow Creative Masters at Creative Masters Podcast on Instagram or check out our website, creativemasterspodcast.com. Until the next episode, this is Nobody Famous. Thanks for listening. Peace.